right. Welcome on in, everybody. Welcome on into Tomes. Uh, this week, we are covering episode seven of The Rings of Power. But before we dive into it, I am joined by my co-host, Cody. So, how's Cody, how, yeah, how's it going, man? Now we talked yeah. a little bit. <laughs> life is life and everything is great. <laughs> Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> uh, okay, so real quick in just news before we dive right on in. Have you seen the new Super Mario trailer? No, but I heard that I am... What's his bucket? Chris Pratt mm-hmm. voices Mario? Yes. And a lot of people aren't happy about it, but I feel like they just don't like Chris Pratt, so... Uh, yeah, honestly, for me, I've seen mostly two camps... Uh, camp one is the fact that is they do have the original voice actor for Mario still alive. And they're like, okay, why not just use him? Yeah. And then camp two is those that just do not like Chris Pratt to begin with. <laughs> but for me, I was just like, I can understand one a little bit. I was like, okay, the original voice actor for Mario is still alive. Why not just, there you go. Throw him in. Yep. But so I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I forgot that it even came out. Yeah, but I will say, Jack Black as Bowser, oh, that is, he's good. <laughs> like, honestly, the opening sequence is awesome. I can see that. Right, I, I'll let you watch. I like the, the entire mountain is flying around and has Bowser's face. Mm-hmm. Behold! The king of oh, the this way. It, it gets <laughs> Open the gates. of our fury. Do you yield? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I finally found Got a star. it. Now who's gonna stop me? Perfectly fine. Come on, Mario! <laughs> Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! I I could definitely see. Like, you can kind uh, of see the criticism around Chris Pratt voices, voice of Mario. Yeah. But I think some of it is like they're going above at the normal. Yeah. 100%. It's. 
I I was expecting at least some sort of like Italian accent with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, which I'm sure they didn't do for reasons, but it was just surprised just to listen to it and just be like, oh, yep, that's Chris Pratt. But you hear Bowser, Jack Black, and you're just like, that's not Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, no, when he, only time I'm like, I actually hear Jack Black is when he does the, who's going to stop me kind of thing. Because I was yeah. just like, oh, that, that fits in perfect. This is where, for me, I'm glad that Jack Black's kind of like in his career has had a resurgence because of like from Jumanji to, yeah, yeah. to this. Like his career now is just like, it's going well. Excuse me. Yeah. But it's like, I can understand the criticism, but also uh, (laughs) my wife collabed with a Mario impressionist. Okay. And redid that part of the trailer with Toad and Mario. Yeah. And for her, she actually did the Toad voice. (laughs) Nice. It's like this. (laughs) (laughs) And people were like, okay, you know what? I understand. I understand why the Illumination did not, why they decided to go with a more natural route. Because I cannot take that for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. And so I by the time. Get, so by the time we get to Mario doing this for 90 minutes, it's going to get annoying. I will be 100% honest. That's fair. That's so completely fair. As long as he gives it a bit of an accent, does not go over the top with it. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, Chris Pratt as Mario, his voice is going to grow on you. I think so. Honestly, I think it'll be great. Like, again, the movie I am actually really excited for. First time I've been able to say that about a movie in a while. That's because, fair. like, I was just like... This looks good, fun, and it looks funny, too. Like, I am really excited for it. Good. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I think it'll be really enjoyable. All right. So, now into stuff that's not as enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, overall impression to begin with. Honestly, probably, in my opinion, one of the best episodes of the entire season. How come? Honestly, I have found more pros in it than I did cons. Okay. Because, don't get wrong, I believe part of it is because in this episode, Galadriel got dropped to like a BC level character. Yeah. And it was more focused on Elrond and Durin. Yeah, that's fair. And since that was the main focus, that's why I think made this episode one of one of the better ones in the season. Absolutely. I can respect that. Say, so what was your overall impression? I'm. I felt like. Oh, I'm trying to think how to phrase it right. I feel like there was a whole lot of nothing, with the exception of the dwarves and Elrond, like with that section. Yeah. I feel like there was a whole lot of nothing that happened. Oh, absolutely. I had to watch it a second time too and remember because I, I everything in there is stuff I remembered, but everything that happened was things in between big scenes. Like if you think of a normal movie, normal series, all that, I am um, everything that happened was little things that happened between bigger things, and that's what this episode was. It wasn't a filler episode, but it it's kind of close to that where it's more just transitioning. Okay. Um, 
but we'll get into the details more. Yeah, I was going to say, excluding the elves and the dwarves, yeah, everything was transition. Like, it was definitely a transitional episode where they're setting things up and trying to get things going. But there are a couple of, like, really good pieces, especially from the Numenorean side of it, that I was I was surprised and blown away at that I really liked. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about that. Okay. So first off, <laughs> should we just do this like scene by scene? Sure. Like, okay. So we'll start off with the opening scene where Galadriel is just covered in flaming hot Cheeto dust. <laughs> I, it, she should be dead. Like everyone, she, should everyone should be dead. be dead. But no one is. No one's even really coughing. No one's has any negative effects. No one is turned to literal ash right from the the blast itself from the cloud. It's, yeah, it they're was, more treating it as if it was like like an artillery strike instead of a volcanic eruption. Yeah, they're treating it as though it was like thousands of miles away instead of hundred or so. Yeah, because so my my dad was working at this I I'm at a car dealership when St Helens blew, and he said that the ash just rained down everywhere and just covered everything. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing there with that whole cloud of ash and just like the, like ash everywhere covering everything. I, I understand they did it for the drama and it's fantasy. And so they don't have to be realistic with things, but that's just stupid. That's just over the top dumb to me because, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. I was going to, I'm agreeing with you. I was going to say what makes fantasy, what can really draw people in is the fact, yeah, it is magical, but there's got to be a sense of realism with it too. Like it can't be all magic because then there are no consequences. There needs to be real world consequences. There needs to be some type of science that the magic thwarts. Like for instance, if they were trying to do, oh, this is a magical reason why they survived, they should have gone, oh, the volcano is erupting. Mages get together, form a barrier, form a shield. Boom. Like Damn. there needs to, the magic needs to be proactive, not just a cop out excuse. Like what they really have done with the Mount Doom erupting. Yeah. And it's just extremely inconsistent with where all the like explosions from Mount Doom land. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anywhere that the rocks from the explosion land should be covered in ash. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, that will come up later. But with this mm-hmm. part of it, the thing that irritated me the most, because I just, I'm so irritated about them not all dying, but I understand why, that I just kind of to decide, why is no one else there? How did everyone suddenly get so separated that mm-hmm. she can't find them? And they're suddenly like miles and miles apart when they were all together for the explosion. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I was going to say, the only... Okay, only cop out reason I have is like when it was erupting, people were running, but being able to run a mile away, no. But being spread out a little bit more, that could have been the running, running around and panic and chaos. Yeah, but then what but they should people, still be in clumps. They should be, and it should be that when these things happen, people would go back together to an area. So I. How did Galadriel not see the queen when they're in the sit- that town together and the town is tiny? I know. 
I know that like that, that makes is no sense. Which actually, and this is going to segue to my next point here is okay. So excluding how stupid the volcano is aside, as Galadriel is getting up and moving around, she is quite literally hearing people cry out for help and ignored everyone. Ignored everyone. Instead, her first instinct is, "Where is Hellbrand?" Mm-hmm. Like, and then she runs into Theo, and she's like, "Ah." One person, I can now escape saying I'm a hero. Like, it, like, honestly, like, this is where I gave major, major points to Queen Muriel. Is because as she was walking by, she's like, come on, soldier, we gotta go. And the soldier's like, help me with this. She's like, oh, shoot, didn't know there was someone there. Let me help. Like, she showed more initiative than Galadriel did. Oh, yeah, Galadriel didn't give a crap. Galadriel was like, I need to survive for myself. Like, she was extremely selfish, whereas this is where I'm like, the queen earned my respect this episode. Yeah. She I agree earned with it. that. She earned it until right. the end, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meryl did a really great job. I thought that her acting in it was really great. I thought everything with her character and I am everything that happened. I thought she did a fantastic job. And just as a character, I thought that she really shone as a leader mm-hmm. and as someone that she was trying to gather people. She sees people can't get out. She helps them. Exactly. Um, and I was like, that is what a ruler does. A ruler serves with her with their people. A good one. A good one. And right. that's where I'm like, major kudo points to Muriel for going into a burning building, risking her life. Yes. Speaking of that part, <laughs> I think it's really dumb that a sealed or like they fake a sealed or death. Yeah, I was like, this is where I'm like. We know Isildur is not dead. We know this. Yeah. I mean, it would have... I don't know. I understand that they want to build the characters and do all that. But it just feels drama for the sake of drama. And I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That part's annoying. But this is where I'm going to say it it led to a couple great moments that I absolutely love. Okay. But we'll we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So now we're over to the Harfoots. Yes. Now this is where I find some of it interesting. Like these are I'm gonna say neutral points for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just more of just it's a note I notice is I found it interesting on the character developments in the beginning of this where the Harfords are like, oh, now we're accepting the stranger. And Nori's like, I don't know about him. <laughs> I, I, I thought that dynamic was interesting on how it swapped. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think, I think it really just carried through where she didn't say anything against him, but at the same time she had her reservations and she wasn't comfortable around him anymore. And all those things I thought added to it. And mm-hmm. I thought that was done fairly well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was done very well. And like, there isn't really much I can criticize with the Harfoot's end because honestly, a lot of the stuff they did, I was like, okay, it makes sense. Some of this makes sense. Some of this makes sense. It's not until we, we get a little bit later on. I'm like, okay, now time to smack Nori because she's being stupid. <laughs> yep. So, anything in the Harfoots in the first time we see them? Any notes you have? The biggest thing is that why is it not completely covered in ash when there is the 
volcanic eruptions there. And that's what they say. Because it talking about the speaking the mountain to the south could spit fire rock. If those rocks could get there, a cloud of ash easily could reach there. I know. Like, Why is this not covered in ash? Why isn't it more devastating to everything around? It's devastating to the, like, five miles around the actual mountain, and that's it. Like, this is where it is so inconsistent. Like, this is very much where they needed to do more science research on volcanoes. Because as we're seeing, it is severely lacking. Heck, actually, for me, the thing that pissed me off the most is why is everything coated in red? It needs to be black. It needs to be dark, not flaming hot Cheeto. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, volcanic smoke is not red. It's black. Yeah. And you wouldn't be able to see from the sun anyways, so it's not like you're going to be seeing much color at all. Switch in and all honestly, like that could have made the scene with them in the town a little bit more understandable instead of it being like super red, like have it be like pitch black Mm -hmm. to where they can't see worth crap. And that's why they can be right next to each other and not see each other. Yeah. See, that would have made sense. That would have made a lot more sense. Instead, everything is coated in red, which only reason why I'm like, okay, maybe that only re- like the reasoning they did it was so that way they could actually capture it on film. Yeah. But even still, look at the fellowship, not fellowship, look at Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Freaking Sam and Frodo are right next to the mountain. They are in the dark. They're in Mordor. They are in the Darklands. They're in the Shadowlands. It's dark. It's pitch black. Smoke is continuous. It is... And yet, it looks great. looks amazing. Yeah. It's true. But that's also film style, and they want to do a different film style than the actual Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, although they reference it a lot and do little shots that are exactly the same. Um, and they do moments that are one-for-one ratios. <laughs> I know. But, for instance, when uh, he's at the tree and he's speaking to the tree, it's that close-up of the lips that they do to Gandalf when he's talking to the moth. They do those shots. And um, when it shows his fingers curling over, it's another shot that feels like it's from the regular Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, but those are like except those are very much exceptions to the rule as opposed to the standard for the show. Yeah. And but this is a part I did like is that when he's I uh, he casts a spell on the tree to help it to grow, and the really the entire area which this there like the branches are all covered in ash but the trees are and the ground isn't and so that's why i had the problem but i'm i do like that the tree starts like cracking and the dead branches fall off and Mm -hmm. they're all like of course that's what would happen yeah but they don't realize that there's like oh no he just tried to cast magic on it and almost killed everybody like tried to kill the little girl and so there's like hey like, we understand that you're trying to help, but the uh, big people are that way. You're gone. It's like, yeah, the, it was very much like this is where the horror folks are like, you know what? At this point, we're afraid you're going to be a danger to us. So yeah. we'll give you directions to where you'll find other big folk. But that that's going to be it. Yeah. Thank you for playing. Yep. All right. And that pretty much concludes this first section of the horror 
So over to the trade discussion. Yes. (laughs) Which I got to say, the actual discussion between the dwarves and the elves, it was solid. It was good. It was. I uh, sorry. I think all this I have pros. I think actually I have one that is a neutral point, but the rest is like pros because I just love this scene. Yeah. All right. I yeah. thought it was really one. The way he's sitting and talking to Durin, the elder. Yeah. Um, he gives us like five or five centuries. You'll have access to our what if you give us access to these mines. Um. That I love that he just like he has a conversation with them and then he sends everyone out and then he goes just I want to talk to my son about this. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I thought yes. that was really well done. I love it and. Again, this is where I'm like, Elrond is best boy. He's best character in this entire series. He is. I love that he was humble. He was honest. And, and in every respect, he was honorable. Yep. Like, he's, he came to the king. He's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to deceive you. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just trying to save my people. Kneels to him and is like, I'm coming to you begging. Please help us. I do not have the elven pride that you guys associate with. He's like, heck, I'm half elven. I don't even, I, like... <laughs> yeah I love how he's just like please help save my people and then I love how actually the dwarven king I'm going to even say he's a pretty good king he is I actually completely agree he is a very good king because mm-hmm. the king's job is first to look out for his people look out and protect the needs of his people first and I found it very interesting that he has faith in the Valar. After all of this, like during all this, he's just like, it may be the Valar's vision, Valar, the Valar's will that the elves die out. They serve their time. They serve their purpose. So it might be time for them to go on. Yeah. He's just like, I'm not going to risk my people for them. Like that that's the one thing I loved and took away from it is just like he was very much don't worry, I think part of it is he's justifying his actions. Yes. But, but he has to look out for his people first. He does. And that's something that Duran the Younger isn't understanding. I am mm-hmm. um, and that there is the danger in mining there down there. I am um, and delving too deep, he knows that there's other dangers, and he says as much. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree with you, though. I think he is also uh, justifying his actions, mm-hmm. and uh, he sees an opportunity to be the dominant race. Yeah. Um, which it's one of those things where, well, why wouldn't he take that opportunity? Because mm-hmm. if the elves are gone, he gets access to the woods anyways. Yeah, so why not play the waiting game? Wait it out, and then he's got it. Yeah. And I really hope that they don't do this, but I'm kind of worried that uh, Durancini is going to be like, I knew that there's a ball rock down there, and that's why we I told you not to do this, but I didn't tell you why. Yeah, no, I really hope they don't do that, because that's going to undermine everything. It is. If anything, he can just say, I had no idea it was a ball rock that was down there. I just knew there was something down deep in the dark I thought. That the kings before me said, do not venture forth. Yeah. It's just, I really hope that they don't 
do that whole twisting of like they, I I knew better, and this is why I told you not to. You should have just listened to me instead of like explaining why they should have listened to him from the begin with. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Deza and her rant to Durin about the king? I liked the argument itself, like the argument sure. between the two. For me, I loved the quote Durin told Deza is what kind of father would I be if I teach our children the will of a king should be counted as dross to be cast to the wind? Yeah. Like, for me, it's just like, I very much understand that Deza's just like, what the heck? We're trying to help our friend. We're trying to help them. And yet that freaking old fool is just, he, he's going to screw us in the end. He's not letting us progress. He's not letting us grow. Like, why? what the heck is going down? We found the Mithril. Like, you can see that Deza's also has that greed that Durin has. Mm-hmm. And this is where I felt like the argument itself was very valid and was very authentic. Yes. How both of them were just absorbed in the passion where, again, I'm pretty sure you can attest to this, but whenever you've, like, come home from work and you're ranting t- and just you're complaining to Ashley. Ashley can sometimes go, you know what? You can tell them to screw off. You can tell them to do this. You can tell them to do that. And and you're just like, sweetie, calm down. It, this I is just, my turn to rant, not yours. <laughs> I just wanted to rant. I wanted to vent. I wanted you wanted to tell you this just because yeah. I, I hate that I have to do this. I, I understand the reason behind it. I don't like I have to do it though. Yeah. No, I can definitely attest to that. It happens all the time, especially in regards to work. I School and such, she tells me to just kind of suck it up and deal with it. But when it comes to work, that's where she's like, well, just quit. <laughs> say, screw you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to say it, but from what you were describing, I say I might think that might be a good option. I know. I just, <laughs> I, I need the money. I know, I know. We all do. But yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. Uh, it's exactly that it's like i was mentioned one thing and then she will go off on a rant because it's built up yeah and that's how i really felt with Deez and Duren's like argument is like she's just like you know what tell that old man's girlfriend you know what i'm gonna find him i'm gonna whack him like in my mind is like it's a wife righteous fury <laughs> it really is it really is this is where again throughout this entire series i love absolutely love Duren and Deez's relationship is because it truly feels like an authentic husband and wife relationship. It does. Even to the point where I love how Deza apologized. She's like, you're right. The old saw does not have a lice in his beard. <laughs> and then I love how Durin's like, and she's like, and I don't, and I know I don't like it when you rant about my mother. He's like, that's the thing though. Your mother actually has, nope, nope. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not going to start another fight. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> Oh, you know I'm joking. <laughs> he's like, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I was like, I love how he's about ready to attack. And he's like, nope, now's not the time. Now's not the time. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> yup. I absolutely love that. <laughs> that was so great. It was so funny. It was It was just so good. It was. Uh, what do you think about the leaf actually changing from the mithril being near it? I thought it was cool. I, I just think it was like, okay, we knew something like this was going to happen. But yeah. for me, so right before we get to that, there was okay. my only one neutral note where I'm just like, 
I understand it. I don't like it is I felt like Elrond was trying to guilt trip Durin and all of it in his kind of farewell and his kind of goodbye, like prior to actually saying goodbye. Oh, okay. I, I didn't felt, feel that way. I felt like he was guilt. Like it was very much, don't get me wrong. I, the way I see it is, is just like, he was definitely venting to a friend. He's like, crap. Well, Lyndon's not going to be around anymore. I felt like he was kind of, don't get me wrong. He was kind of ranting, but I felt like there was a little bit of that guilt trip. That's fair. Yeah. Because he's like, now I gotta tell Gilgalad that London is not gonna be around anymore because the elves are no longer gonna be here. I felt like it was just like, okay, you really didn't need to say that. It, like, you can say it to a degree, but not like that. But yeah. then after that, it is just like, I felt like he was like, he was more venting because of what happened next is because Darren's like, so this is the last, so this is goodbye then. And he's just like, we do not say goodbye. Yeah, that part I loved. Because I love how it switched to, like, Elrond, like, going, oh, crap. I'm, ba- like, our race is basically dead at this point. We're, yeah. we're, we're endangered. We're an endangered species. Like, huh. And then Doran's like, so this is goodbye. He's like, oh, no, my friend. This is not goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I just absolutely loved how Durin started to openly weep in front of his friend. Like, it was powerful. It was powerful. I was moved up like, Dad, you guys are still going to be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, that part really moved me. And I like how they are having, I'm going to say, like, a very strong man crying in front of his best friend. Because, I'm sorry, that that is a true best friendship. Yeah, it is. But, now to the Mithril and the Leaf knew something was coming was not expecting it to be like an immediate oh put the mithril next to the leaf and that's it <laughs> yeah because that, that that's the case i've gone okay you know what just give us one big rock of mithril just one big rock and, and we'll be good <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing that i was wondering though does it take the light from the valor like the light from the mithril out and so it can only do so much until the light goes out on it yeah. And if so, does it cease to be Mithril? Mm-hmm. All right, so that's where I'm just like, okay, I don't know how well this is actually going to work, what this actually means. But I think, and honestly, he should have just kept that Mithril, because if it does that, they could have just forged it into the rings. That's enough for that. Mm-hmm. And then they'd be able to purify a good chunk of everything. Yeah, and actually at the, uh, we'll, we'll get to that part in a bit, but yeah, no, Elrond does take a bit for himself. I thought he just gave it back. He gave it back in that scene, but in the next scene where it's uh, Durin and Elrond mining and they get caught. Oh, because he gives it back to him then. Yeah, after he gets kicked out, Elrond yeah. looks in his hand and he's got the mithril. Yes. So... It's like, I understand the gesture. He's just like, well, we got one little thing of it. Not sure that's going to be enough to do it. So he gives it back to friend. And he's just like, this is when Duran's like, Elrond, get your velvet butt back here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Which I like that. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it goes back to uh, the, the Ash. And why is it just the two of them? Like, they had, like, six other people right there that were walking around, and they just ditch them. Exactly! Like, what the heck? 
I just I don't understand why she just ditched them. Galadriel makes no sense. It's like she is selfish, and, and so it's just very much more like I think she took Theo. She's like, oh, this was the only one I was able to find, so I'm bringing him back. Like that. That was very much kind of the vibe I'm basically taking away from this. Is again, Galadriel is not a good person. No, she's not. She's Sauron. Make Galadriel Sauron, please. Yes, please. And and I'm just going to say is shouldn't the Shadowlands be darker? Well, no, because they need to be red so they can have the camera angle and light. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just again, just take Galadriel out of this entire show. Not really, though. Like seriously, if they subtract Galadriel from this easily. The show would get bumped up another degree. Yep. Like it would be a solid three to four. Like I'll be honest. Like it'd be a solid three to four out of five. Yeah, it's a. Honestly, there's a lot of good in the show. A lot more than people are giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I catch flack for that. I actually really enjoy a lot of the stuff in the show. I do kind of look at it as more just a fantasy show than a Lord of the Rings show. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I'm enjoying it more. But I am enjoying it more than what I see people talk about. I mean, shoot. Okay. So I was bad and I actually watched uh, someone else's review of the show beforehand. Okay. All that they say is like, this show is crap. There's no redeeming qualities. This is all bullshit. And just, why? Mm -hmm. Why are you just ripping into things just to rip into it? You have no actual points. You have nothing that you're saying as to why other than Gladriel. You say that you hate this about it. You hate, like, you hate the show. And then you just don't like Gladriel. And that's all you give as the reasoning. And I think it's really dumb that that's their straw man argument. So. is Galadriel which that's where I'm like I feel like everybody's gonna just like hate, like everyone is hate bombing the show because of Galadriel which yeah. which again for me I was like okay honestly that that is a that was a horrible decision hopefully the showrunners go you know what maybe we should not make Galadriel like the star of the show maybe we should swap it to somebody else like maybe let's let's make it Elrond let's make it Durin let's let's focus on those guys because sorry this is called the rings of power yeah. let's focus on the freaking people who are making the rings <laughs> i agree with that i think another good one to focus on would be uh lendil i mm-hmm. am um, because he's the one that's going to lead the army of men yes and I know that they're setting up Gondor here towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but I just think that it's really powerful the way that with everything with Elendil. But we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll cover Elendil in a l- l- little bit later. Yeah. So first, Gladwell gives the kid the sword after yeah. seeing everything. And then... They uh, have the orcs come over, and all they can smell is ash. They can't smell people. Oh, I think that comes a little bit later, because uh, that, that, yeah, that that's actually in the oh, yep, following right. scene. Yep, you're uh, right. Because the notes I have they were just for this, watching them. yeah, they were ju- they just kind of were watching the orcs. Uh, for me, actually, one thing I really did like is again, I really like the Numenor, the Numenorians in this episode, because yeah. I really like how the queen when she runs into Elendil. I love her reaction when she is afraid to tell Elendil about Isildur's fate. Yeah. Like, I love Elendil's change in expression. He's just like, Queen, 
Oh, okay, it's his friend. All right. Wait a second. Where is my son? It went from captain to father, and I loved seeing that progression in Lindiel. Yeah. Like, and this is the thing that, okay, this is where I'm going to throw in some uh, inaccuracies. Like, it's just inconsistencies, because this show yes. is so inconsistent. It is. is Okay, Muriel approaches. Seems like she can see Elendil. Acts like she can see Elendil. Then later we find out she's blind. I'm. I actually, from this moment, I I could tell that she wasn't actually seeing him. Okay, because it, it looked like her eyes were darting back and forth between the friend and the captain, between Elendil and the lieutenant. Uh, so I have it pulled up right now. I'm rewatching it to see if I see that, because she kind of stares straight ahead. Okay. And she like she blinks, but not very often. Okay. And then it shows them flipping back and forth. Yeah. No, it literally is her staring straight ahead the entire time. Okay, and that could have been just. Uh, and actually, this is where again I'll switch it over to a pro, where again they got me. Where I was like, you know what, she could still see, and then, then, then later, after we get back to Gladriel, who recognizes her own fault, saying that having that desire to kill orcs is darkness. I was like, so she is actually trying to be evil. She is trying to welcome darkness into her heart. Then, yeah, because it's just <sighs> she goes so much back and forth where. She does. She kind of like rips on orcs into how good it is to kill orcs, and I've killed hundreds of them. Kind of brags about it. I am um, throughout the entire thing. And, and feels now... like great. That means I'm going to kill hundreds to thousands. And she's yeah. like, no, do not welcome that in your hearts. She... Yeah, I... it is so back and forth. I'm like, what the? So what you're actually saying is that only you can hunt the orcs. Because it gives you the pleasure, and you don't want—you just want to keep killing the orcs to yourself, then. Or it's one of those things where it's that false humility of you can't call what I'm doing good. When she loves it, or false sanctifying. Yeah, I think like a false sanctification rather than false humility, where it's basically at the end of what I do is evil, but I have to do it, mm-hmm. as opposed to killing evil. To destroy it is a good thing. To get rid of evil is good. Mm-hmm. It's it's back to what you're talking about, where they have to have the light and the dark, like the light touch the dark or whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm mixing the two together, and that's what feel her entire character is a dark character that is supposed to still be good. Yeah, it really much is, and that's and I think for me that's what makes me the most angry with Gladriel is because sorry, this is actually supposed to be the girl who's been nothing but bathed in the light. Yeah, but didn't you know Austin? She's touched shadow now. Yeah, <laughs> she's touched shadow. She's welcomed darkness into her heart. Like good criminy. Yeah, and you know what's gonna change everything? How she's going to realize that uh, she needs to stay in the light. It's when, after she gets back to um, the forest with... Linden. Uh, the, yeah, gets back to Linden with um, Halbrand. 
and then he reveals himself to be Sauron. And then she goes, oh, I can't trust anyone and all oh. this crap. And yeah, I and actually have a different theory, but we'll get to that one here in a little bit. Okay. So. So then it goes back to the Harfoots. Oh, it goes back to the Numenorians first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where it's revealed that Muriel is blind, blind and gave a huge pro on how she's just like, no, don't let the other people know. I'm trying to stay stoic. Yeah, just keep uh, walking. Just keep walking. Make people believe everything is fine. It makes me think back to the one joke of like of the captain and the red shirt. Well, uh, go ahead. I don't know uh, that. Oh, oh, dude. Yeah, you should know this one. It's just like uh, again, there are a couple of sailors are out at sea, and they and so I want to say one of the uh, one of the guys swabbing the deck comes in and goes, Captain, there's two pirate ships coming in. It's like, all right, bring me my red shirt. And so they go, they do this battle, and everybody fights on gloriously. And after it, the captain boy goes up and goes, Captain, right before the battle, you told me to get you your red shirt. Why did you say that? It's like, ah, well, you see. Then that way, if I got hurt in battle, my men would continue fighting on, thinking that I was perfectly healthy. Next day, the cowboy goes, Captain, I see ten pirate ships ahead. It's like, ah, bring me my brown pants. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So for me, it was very much that red shirt that Muriel is trying to do. Okay. Where, again, she's just like, look, I want to stay stoked. They need to see their leader standing above the rest. Yep. That everything is perfectly fine. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, was a good point in that moment. Yeah. Okay. And so then, yeah, it transitions over to the Hardfoots. This is when he gives them back the... I am the stars or he or he gives them the thing of the stars so he can try and find them yeah it gives them map of the stars and this is when the stranger actually leaves and only thing i put took down as a no i was like okay i guess nori is decent because she at least gave the, the stranger an apple as he was leaving yeah as, as she's just like you know what i need to get over my fears so you know what here you go you, you did assist us you did help us here's an apple like, that's the only note I took, just because the rest I was like, okay, it's not bad, it's not good. It's at least progressing the story a little bit. It is. I thought it was pretty well done, and that whole part. And then she kind of, it goes off the deep end a little bit, where she's like, I never should have gone off trail, and that whole thing of, I know it's supposed to be the self-doubt, and but we already have that. We already have yeah. the self-doubt. I am, and I just felt like it was a little overdone and unnecessary. Yeah, they were voicing it. They they were telling. They showed it. Now they're telling, and it's just, yeah, yeah, just a little redundant. Not needed. okay. And so. now we're back to Gladriel. <laughs> no more. Well, back to the Harfoots. <laughs> <laughs> back to the Harfoots. Now back to the freaking uh, guy Gladriel. Uh, right, and yeah. no more flaming hot Cheeto dust. <laughs> well, that's good. They got out of that pretty quick. Now, the next note I have, just like, okay, her husband never died, which uh, after that entire story, they left it ambiguous of like, and I never saw him again. So this is my personal theory on what's going to happen. Is they're going to, she's going to go back to Linden with Halbrand, and who should be there? Celeborn. Yeah. 
causing that internal struggle of like, oh, I thought you were dead. My husband, I thought he was dead. But now this is my new side boy. What should I do? And cause that internal conflict, which is going to lead into season two. It's just going to be that internal conflict of like, should I go with back to my husband or should I go with Hellbrand? And then she chooses Hellbrand. She's going to choose Hellbrand, turns into sour, and she's like, oh, I made a mistake! It goes to the cell board, and yeah, that, that's what I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, that's, uh, like, honestly, I was like, I could see that one coming a mile away if that, that is the case. Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised about that. But yeah, I was kind of or- irritated that they did the whole thing of Celeborn is dead, and then, I mean, yeah, I can easily see them bringing them back where they left it ambiguous, but... To which, for me, I was just like, okay, uh, only other route I could actually see is her going, you know what, no, I'm actually going to go back to my husband, Celeborn, instead mm-hmm. of choosing Hellbrand, and that's where Hellbrand then reveals himself to be Sauron and attacks, and that's where it's going to be like a big war, and now she's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Could be. I don't think he will, though, because he still has to help make the rings. Yeah. Um, I and think it would be more of oh, we're just friends, and then try and make it like a secret romance type thing. Yeah. And the utter betrayal, or something like that. Um, here's something that, with this, that did kind of bug me, is why is he never brought up before? It's all about her brother. I know. I but she know. lost her husband, that's an even bigger thing. I'm yeah, I'm sorry. That would have impacted her more than her brother. Why in the world would you go the brother route instead of the husband route? Cuz the husband route is stronger. It should be. It should be. But people don't care about marriage anymore. They really don't. And if anything, that's more of the attack I'm taking on and just like really you're trying to do that. Oh my, you're stupid. Yeah. And that that bugs me. And it's just why isn't it talked about? It just it felt like they threw it in there, like they kept it a secret just to keep people guessing, and to have this reveal at the end of the season. Like, so that way, yeah, it just it's a retcon. That's what it is. It's a retcon. Could be, yeah. Like I think in one respect, they're like, oh crap, we're getting a lot of backlash for not having Celeborn. We're getting a lot of backlash. We gotta throw them in somehow. <laughs> Well, so all of this was already It was already filmed. And so because of that, and that's something that a lot of people do forget, and so they, but I think it's a lot more that they know people are going to ask, where is he? And so to try and get people to watch longer, they waited till the end of the season to reveal it. Yeah, which is bull. It is bull, and people don't care enough to watch it for that one reason exactly it was like again i really didn't care at this point i was like you know what if this is the story on how she meets celeborn okay you know what I, i'd be interested in that oh no i my husband what <laughs> he caught me dancing and yeah, that's where i'm with you. I was like you dancing <laughs> yeah just because again the way they portray galadriel it's <sighs> frustrating it is frustrating beyond all belief but, and then I gave a little positive for Theo trying to take responsibility. And then the one moment where Galadriel is trying to be hopeful. Yeah. And then the last positive I have is like orc smelling ash. I was just like, if they're like, we smell human flesh. I was like, no, you don't. You can't. You can't. Exactly. 
And so like, just Ash, just Ash. I'm like, okay, there we go. We're good. Yep. (laughs) Now they discover the actual Mithril. Ah, yes. Love how Elrond lost to Durin on purpose. (laughs) Which we knew from the beginning. Oh, we knew. We knew. He's just like, I was winded. (laughs) And Durin's like, you sly bastard. <laughs> Give me the water. <laughs> Give me the water. And if anything, I was just like, that's where I'm like, I love Elrond's and Dern's relationship. And then when they actually find the Mithril, I was like, oh, this is where Dern's bang comes in. Like, you can just see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He is so much just lost after that. And I don't know if lust is exactly the right word, but that's probably the best word to describe it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was yeah, lust, greed. Like his yeah. his greed became a lot more apparent. Oh yeah. And I do like how it looks though, when it goes and shows oh. everything. It looks like branches, it looks like roots. Oh and yeah. the roots of the mountain is just absolutely beautiful and stunning. Oh, absolutely. Like it really does look like a vein. Mm-hmm. And that I was just like, oh, that was beautifully done. And then he gets kicked out. Out. I really did like the father-son scene. I love how he is talking as a proud and loving father. Yeah. As he's talking to his rebellious son. I thought that was really cool and really a really fun way to do of showing like this is what I had in store for you. Like Like this, from the time you were an infant, and I held you, I cared for you when you could have died, and I made sure you didn't. And, and I know you're going to do great things. Go ahead. And for me, I just like, he's just like, and as I was holding you throughout the night, I knew you would make it because I saw greatness in you. I saw a great dwarven king, one that will raise armies, one that will be remembered throughout all the ages. I loved that part because it's just like, how many times has like our father's gone you had so much potential. <laughs> I, I mean, like, mine says I fulfill mine, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm still joking. working on mine. <laughs> no, complete jokes. <laughs> yeah. But, and then I love how, again, I think it's a good argument between father and son. Because immediately, how many times have we, like, been on that receiving end of that speech? We're like, you're telling me this, but you're You're, you're the one stopping me. You're you're my obstacle here. And yeah. it, th- this is where I could, in my mind's eye, feel his father going, oh, how do I get this to you? It will happen in time. You got to give it time. This is yeah. not the time to do it. <laughs> yep. And then this is the thing that I love the most about it mm-hmm. is after Duran brings up their mom, that he flips his lid. His dad flips his lid. Oh, yeah. And I have seen my dad do this. Um, There has been exactly one time I have gotten my dad so angry that he full on just like was bellowing at me. And it's because I disrespected my mom. Yeah. My dad does not, is not really the type to sit there and yell and do that. He'll tell you and he will talk to you as an adult. But that was the time where he, just like during here, is the, how dare you? And just, you feel it. You feel the anger. You feel just the thing of, oh, I mucked up. 
it's, it was like, okay, should not have brought mom into this. Should not have brought mom into this. <laughs> yup. Because in my mind, again, we talked about the righteous, uh, righteous anger of a wife, righteous anger of a husband. Yeah. Like this is where th- this is where th- this show confuses me. Is because we got Galadriel who is just like, yeah, kind of anti-marriage. And then we have dirt. We have the entire dwarven section where it's no, this is why marriage is great and amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's so, I think if anything, it's a good contrast because we see is like uh, glad at this point in my mind's eye, I was like, maybe they set Galadriel up to fail. So we would appreciate Elrond and during a whole lot more. <laughs> Like, they're the light and she's the shadow. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they had different writers for different parts in it. So, like, they had one writer for all the Elrond and I, this entire segment of it. And different mm-hmm. writers about Gladriel. And a different writer about the Numenorians. Which, honestly, that could explain a lot of the inconsistencies. Is because it could be writers just not communicating back and forth. Yeah. Yep. And then, yeah, after that, we're back to the Harfoots, where, yeah, Nori was proven wrong, the priestess was creepy, and the last note I have is Nori is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say Nori's stupid? Just because, like, okay, you're seeing all these, you're seeing the priestess start chasing after him. Instead, the smart move would be, okay, like, you know what, let, let them escape, and, and again, very Harfooty too, let them leave, and then go after, like, run after at, at after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of dumb to go out and talk to him, but at the same time, to me, it made sense. And this, that I messed up before. I shouldn't have sent him away. This is something I can do. Maybe they'll listen. Like, oh no, we saw him go this way, and try to do something. And for me, I was just like, okay, yeah, I want respect. Yeah, like I, I understand Nori's thinking. This is why I'm saying she's stupid. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, because again, immediately they they just walked. They went to a tree, and they went, oh. He went that way. Not hard. <laughs> yep. And she's like, no, he went that way. It's like, that isn't, they can tell this is an obvious lie. Like, it is. Like, it's not hard. <laughs> if they're able, without talking to anybody, go up to a tree, point where they're going next. Yep. At that point, you're going to go, uh, yeah, they're probably going to find him. So it'd be better for me. Wait till they leave. And then run after and try to find him before they get to him. That would have been the intelligent thing. Exactly, but Nori's not intelligent. No, but neither are most of us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, this is where, again, this is where I was like, I think I even have the, okay, yeah, the Nori's stupid as a negative. It was just overall, like, the again, I'm not critiquing the scene. I'm just critiquing the character of Nori. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. I just saying Nori is stupid just because like I'm sorry, that there are other ways you could approach it, but it was still very much in her character. It was. To where cause again, a lot of times like gut reaction, my fault, my mistake. I go do what I can. It's just like, yeah, no, she she's not the brightest bulb. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, then we're back to the Numenorians. I am so the Rashadian can sense that Isildur is still alive. Uh, that's obviously what it's hinting at because we all know a soldier is still alive. Um, I was like, oh, the horse won't listen to anyone. Um, that he's just like, all right, well, goodbye. 
Because in one respect, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. Because like, if there's a horse that's resisting you at every turn, it, it's not going to help you get away. I mean, no, but they could still load it back onto the ship and then bring it back with them. Yeah, which it could even cause problems on the ship. It could. Like, that's where it's like, I understand why they released him. And, and actually, for me, that was a pro of their they released Barrick. I will agree, actually. I, I thought it was a pro, too. I just wanted to complain about it to complain about it. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> about it. But for me, I absolutely love Elindil's character development in this episode. I love it so freaking I, much. I should have left her in the sea. Exactly. I was like, I agree. <laughs> yep. Hundred percent. Like, I love how he went from, okay, you know what? Maybe I should have brought her on board too. I made a grave mistake. I messed up big time. (laughs) Yeah, but you know that's all going to change again as soon as they hit. um, As soon as the sealed door comes back. Yeah, as soon as the door's alive. This is all just grief. It's not full development of character. It's regret. Um, Yeah. And that's the one side of things that's like, okay. I mean, he's having a crisis of faith, and I understand that. I'm... And I like it because uh, I'll get to it when we get to that part. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it as well. I think it's really well done. And I agree with the thought process of like how they had him do the thought process where instead of being, we should never have come to this land. It was, we should never have gotten her in the first place yeah. because he knows he's supposed to have been there. He knows everything that those things that happened should have happened. So he goes back to the point the pivot point because yeah. if he had never pulled her out of the water he never would have known never would have had to leave yep and yeah so then the next thing i have is i actually did like theo's reuniting with uh, bronwyn and aaron deer i saw it coming from a mile away like again i saw it coming <laughs> but it still was nice to see it was it was nice to see i even knew as soon as it showed the dead body that he was going to go to touch it, and right before he does, that his mom's mm-hmm. going to say his name. Like, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was calling you. I was like, okay. He's, yeah, he's going to see, she's going to come and go, Theo, and he's going to go, Mommy! <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, again, all this, like, okay, we know it's happening, but for me, the thing that I actually loved and took away from it is just like, oh, that's great, is the fact Theo hugged Aaron Deer. Yes, that stood out to me. I was waiting for him to go, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> same, same, same. <laughs> Five old, Papa. Five old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I still really liked it, and I really appreciate it. And I, Aaron Deer was surprised. He's like, Whoa. "Oh, he's actually hugging me!" And so he's he like, back. "He's like, all right, progress." I, it's like, "All right, new stepdad coming in." <laughs> <laughs> well, if he was a stepdad, but he's not. He's his real dad. I'm stating. <laughs> I know it. I know he's going to be the real dad. There is no other. Like darker skinned characters in that town than him, yeah. And he's the only one. And Theo's clearly half, yeah, as in half <laughs> black, half white. But he chose like because he's raised by his mom. He was raised he human, human, and that's why he's that. But yeah. it clearly is that. I'm saying <laughs> I'm calling it now. And if anyone disagrees with me, then it's because I'm racist. <laughs> And yeah, but now we get to 
we get back to the queen and Galadriel meeting the queen. And I thought they were going to try to hide her element. This is where it, they backtracked to me. I was like, okay, that pro of her trying to stay stoic, let nobody know I've been hurt, backfired. I'm just like, really? Really? Well, yes and no, because she's off on her own. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because really? I had that same thought, but then I realized she's off on her own. And so no one else sees her. No one else knows. Everyone thinks, oh, maybe she's just pondering things. But it doesn't really show that anyone else knows that she has, that she's missing her sight, other than the people actually physically there with her. Very true, until we get on the ship. Until you get on the ship. That's where, for me, it was. Yeah. Like, okay, well, there's that. And at that point, I mean, she can't really hide it forever. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. And, and again, makes, go ahead. I was gonna say no, no. I was gonna move on to the next part. So, so go if you still have thoughts on that. Go, go, go. Just it makes sense that this would be the time to reveal it. They're now safe. They're not in crisis. They're now gathered together and making plans on what to do next. It's a good time to show. Yes, I do. Like I have been injured. Let's get this taken care of, and we can move on because people aren't panicking. They're not looking for a leader. They have their leader. And then they found out, oh man, through all that, she helped us even though she was blind. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's actually even more impressive. Okay, let's keep following her because she knows what she's doing. Yeah. So, I thought that was a plus. Okay. Okay, okay. moving on. Interesting take. I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I absolutely love Elindil. Because he's just like, he still has that anger. He's just like, I should have never let you come. I should have not done this. And then we see Muriel go, you know what? I want vengeance. I want to destroy them as well. Yep. It was very much so the, like, now we're coming back. And I was just like, okay, a little bit of pro for Queen. Like, I understand it. But then I love how Lindil is just like, he's struggling. Yeah. And this is where, for me, this is very much more on, like, again, I know throughout the, like, prior episodes, it was alluding to this, that this is Muriel accepting darkness in her heart now. Like very much what Galadriel did. Mm-hmm. And we see this and this is where Elindil is strong and a lot more righteous than both of them is because he's just like, no, we, sh- we need to regroup. We need to rebuild. Now's not the time to fight. Now's the time to gather and grow. And I just love seeing him struggle with the fact that his queen said, we're coming back to fight. I love seeing that in him because later on, Numenor will fall. Yes. And when Numenor falls, it is Elendil and Isildur who pick up the pieces and rebuild and rebuild Gondor. And they build Gondor. So here's my thought of what's going to happen with okay. us. I am. So I kind of took, a, I got a different take than you did from, her reaction and his I am um, her reaction I thought very much was like you said though it was accepting darkness I am um, but it was we're going back to Numenor we're gonna regroup we're gonna get gather what we need and rebuild what we need to and then come back to finish this fight because it's an important fight mm-hmm. uh, Lindil, it's still his crisis of faith mm-hmm. he wants nothing to do with it because his son's dead Oh yeah, no, absolutely. He lost to him. He lost everything, and so he wants to go back to his daughter, and just he's just he's done. He's at the point where he's done. Um, but what I think's gonna happen is his son's gonna come back, 
and right before they leave. And so, but like it's as they're departing, and so he's gonna end up going back with Isildur and Stain, and they're going to form Gondor with the because that's what's going on right now at the end of the episode with um, the Southlanders. All of them are going over to an old Numenor fortress, an old element. Yeah, which is probably gonna be Osgiliath on in the future, but it's somewhere else. It's called something else. But actually, go ahead. It is called what it is. I looked this bad boy up. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, the name of the city, I cannot pronounce it. It's actually, it is a port city that is made to trade with Numenor. Oh, there we go. That has a connection to Gondor. Basically, think of like Gondor as like the big giant kingdom, so to yeah. speak. With, yeah, you got Minas Tirith as the capital. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's on the coastline between them and Numenor. Correct. Okay. Like, but so, so I, either I... I just figured it was going to be a city they rename later, but that makes sense. But anyways, he's going to go with them, and he's going to start building Gondor. And then while that happens, there's going to be that giant tidal wave or whatever. It's going to wipe out all of Numenor, and so he's going to lead the army of men here. Uh, so this is actually my prediction. Go for it. Uh, we're not going to see a Sealdor reunite with Elendil probably till next season. I think they're going to end it with like the big reveal of Isildur is alive and he showed up to the encampment after they've all left. Yeah. So it's going to be Isildur. He, this is where in the next season he is going to have an internal struggle. He has a cop out now. He can actually go and be in the West, follow what his brother did. Mm-hmm. Or he could go back to Numenor and see his father. So that's going to be his, his Isildur's character growth, which in the end, he is going to go back to Numenor, probably because they see that the orcs are marching closer to uh, basically the borders of Gondor. So he's going to go back to Numenor, alert them on what is happening. And that's when they're, we're going to get this big moment of Lindil and Isildur reuniting. Mm-hmm. But during that time, uh, Farazhan has had that time to sway the public because this next season, oh, look at that. The queen failed. We lost hundreds of soldiers and we have nothing to gain from it. We lost everything. Give me the power. And he is actually the one that leads Numenor to fall in very much like in a biblical term mm-hmm. is the spirit falls of it first. And then the actual country falls. I can see that. And that's what's going to happen is as all this is going as Verizon. And actually this is where I believe a civil war is going to happen. I could definitely see that. And with that, uh, Elendil is during the fall, during all this, this is when Elendil and Isildur take the orbs and leave. Now, reason why I'm not mentioning the sister is because I believe the sister is going to die. Because so in all the writings, uh, like uh, Lindil and his house, they never had a daughter. Like in the books, never mentions a sister. It is an original character they came up with. Yeah. So what I'm expecting is this daughter, she is engrossing herself in politics. She is going to be part of the problem and part of the fall. And that's how the family is going to get some access and how for them, they're like, okay, we need to flee. They're going to try to convince her to come with them, but she's going to stay and die. Yeah. 
I can definitely see that. That is and my d- prediction on what's going to happen with a Lynn deal and a sealed door. Yeah. So clarifying about the wave, I didn't, I wasn't saying that was going to be a physical wave. It was just the metaphor ah. of the wave to come destroy everything. Okay. Uh, I thought you were being literal. <laughs> no, no. I I realized that when you were talking, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I could definitely see all this. This fits with what I said. Oh, you probably think I meant a literal wave. I need to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, again, uh, from what we saw in Muriel's dream, I thought it was a big, massive wave that actually comes and destroys Numenor. Yeah. That's what it, so that's the physical representation of it, but I yeah, figure okay. it's a metaphor for what's going to happen later. Is okay. that, yeah. yeah. Okay, I was thinking it was both. Like, it was going to be the wave of the fall, and then so the Valar are sending this wave to actually destroy it, just like for, like the fall of Babylon kind of deal. Oh, Not fall okay. of Babylon. So, I am, What is it? I just looked I, it up, mm-hmm. and Numenor was drowned by a great wave that sank into the abyss, killing its inhabitants, including the body of Sauron, which robbed him of his ability to assume fair forms for ever after okay all right so for me it's just like i can i like how we're now seeing that conflict arising in a lindil on oh no the, the basically my country is they're 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 getting corrupted yeah uh, because of one elf <laughs> <laughs> but really though and yeah, I think that's the last bit I have on that scene. Okay. So yeah, the next one I have is um, after is with the Harfoots, where again it's after the fire, after like the priestess uh, freaking ignites the entire camp, and I was just like, "Go Largo, go Nori's dad." Yeah, man, I really liked the dad. I thought he was really cool. I was and like, "The man's the only sense of hope right now." <laughs> But really, though, and the, they get the whole group together and just like, all right, we're going to go. And then instantly he's just like, we're all going to die. But sure. And and I'm sorry. I thought that scene seemed, seemed very, very, very familiar. It felt very familiar. <laughs> Freaking same recreation of the fellowship. I know. So uh, where are we going? So it was basically, of death, small chance of success. What are we waiting for? <laughs> like it, it was, it's a one for one ratio. It is a one for one ratio. Yeah, like keep... even the way Nori and Poppy do it. Nori's like, "I'll go, I'll go and do it." Poppy's like, "You're not leaving me." And I was like, "Okay, Frodo, Sam. Okay, who's gonna be Merry and Pippin? Oh, that, those are gonna be the parents. Okay." <laughs> yep. yep. Like, it's. It's basically the founding of a fellowship. It is. I, uh, for me, I was like, that, I'm giving that kind of a neutral, but more negative, just because I'm like, really? Really? Like, I know at the point they're trying to like, oh, we're trying to call back to some of the original stuff. I'm like, but really, though? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's all I had on that scene, because I think that's, yeah, that's the end of the Harfoots in this episode. Yeah, it is. I sorry, I don't mean to be so distracted. I am reading more about Numenor from the Lord of the Rings wiki. Okay. And I'm reading about 
the full actual fall and destruction of it. Mm-hmm. But guess who the king of Numenor is at the time? Uh, isn't it Sauron? No. No. Who is it? I am. Wait. Oh, actually. Because it's not Farazon. It's our Farazon. Yeah, okay. Which so... is a title. Let's hear. So, Arfer is on the king, received word of his rise in power, and angered by Sauron's pride, the Numenor swiftly came at once more to Mordor, or to Middle-earth, with a great military to confront him a final time. And then Sauron flees, and, let's see here, he allows himself to be captured, and gets brought back to Numenor, uh, he, so he asks for mercy and gets brought to Numenor as a prisoner, and then, let's see here. He was about to die because he was old. The king, prompted by Sauron to make war upon Valar, sees the Undying Lands. So he gets corrupted by Sauron and then sees the Undying, like tries to seize the Undying Lands and take immortality by force. And mm-hmm. so that, as a result, essentially a giant wave comes and wipes everything out. But a group called the Faithful were already on ship, like got on ships and escaped the calamity. Yeah, and that is a Sildor and Elendil. Yep, their group. Yeah, because the Faithful are the ones that go and find Gondor. And he has two sons. He does not have yes. a daughter. Two sons, no daughter. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. Yep. This would be uh, such a better story than the one that we have. I know, right? And, and again, that's that's where a lot of the criticism is coming from, is because like the actual story itself is good, and yet we're give yet we're getting this. Yeah, that that's like the biggest beef in all this is that everyone's like, you guys had such a good story, like it could have been this, and yet we get freaking Galadriel. Yeah. Okay, so. Now going on to like uh, Gladriel with I am Hallbrand. Yeah. So did you notice how they described how they found him? Uh no, I did not pay attention to that. They found him on the side of the road, right? Yep. So literally it was after everything. So we went through like gathered everyone and then we randomly found him. And he happened to be injured. Mm-hmm. And all of it is just the whole, how do you guys not see that this was set up? Yep. He injured himself or had someone injure him for him. That's entire thing is just setting up. So that way, because his thing, like his wound happened to sour tonight. So he has to go back to Linden. And it's all these things where it's just way too convenient. Way too convenient. And, And not only has it soured, but he can't stand up and get on a horse. I know. Yeah. Can you ride? Oh, yeah. I can. I'm fine. I can walk around. I can ride a horse. It doesn't take a lot of energy. I'm not deathly ill from the soured infection that goes halfway up my torso. Like, it's just like either A, super inconsistent, or B, yeah, no, this help and Sauron. Like, 100%. 100%. Like, like, this is where for me, like, I even have hopes. It's just like, it's like, what about our king? I was like, you know what? I like the look. He looks like a good king. He fills it. 
But Sauron, I know it is. So Sauron, that sucks. Okay, then and then that goes back. To, oh, go ahead. I was like, oh yeah, no, I was just going to segue to. It's just like then we get yeah. to the end of the episode where it's going back to uh, the dwarves, Diza, and all of them with the. Yeah. And Diza shows her greed of yes. this is our kingdom. Like this is gonna be yours. All this is yours and mine. And her's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, the note I have is Diza seeking power, yet she's still defending her man. Yes. So she sticks with him, and I love that aspect of it. She's not stepping on him to get the power. Exactly. It's our power, not yes. my power. It's like, it's your power, which becomes ours. Yes. And so I really appreciate that. I thought it was she was done really well, and she feeds into his emotions and into his greed, and builds onto it. And so it makes it that very much so. Like honestly, she she's the bane of Durin. <laughs> exactly. It's just like the way I was more seeing it is like Durin already has his bane, but she has it too. She, she has does. that greed. And it's very much like, this is where it, it's like a toxic relationship, so to speak. <laughs> they feed on in the fact that they, it feeds on each other. Yes. That's so, what I was meaning. Their relationship itself is not toxic. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. I, anyway. I knew you. Meant, yeah. <laughs> I am. I was but, just trying to think uh, exactly with that, where I am. It's a thing that I, and I'm sure you're learning this, I, but the more time you spend with your spouse, the more you take on qualities of theirs. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Like, and... dude, you knew me in high school. How likely was I to sit down and watch anything horror related? I couldn't get you to watch anything horror related. I wanted to. And now she's got me watching Five Nights at Freddy's, Poppy's Playtime. <laughs> she's got me doing horror stuff because I'm like, I want to spend time with my wife. Yeah. And she she loves it. And I'm just like, okay, I, I, I'll i give it a shot. And now I'm like, okay, I can kind of see the appeal where I can now go, oh, I know most of the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's now because she was such a huge fan of it. I'm willing yeah. to play Poppy's Playtime. <laughs> Exactly. And so it's that thing of, uh, and it's other characteristics as well. It's things such as, I, uh, for instance, my wife's family is very negative in how they see things. Yeah. My family is much more positive, but my family is very underhanded mm -hmm. and her family is very <laughs> overhanded, not overhanded. They're very abrupt with everything. It's very much what you see is what you get. Yeah. I am. Um, and so our families are very different in that way, and we've taken on characteristics of each other, some of them positive, some negative, and just done that to – but it's that thing of we do that, and then we build on each other with it. Mm -hmm. We build those good things, and the negative things we both have or have both developed, we develop those things too, and that's something that I, like we try and recognize and overcome, but I see this here. Where mm -hmm. they have those scenes, and it could have been that one of them, they could have both already had that greed individually. But a lot of it could have been that one of them did, and the other started developing it because they started understanding it. And then now they push each other with it. Yeah. So much so that it's, oh no, we're going to keep going with this. We're going to build this more. This is ours. We earned this. Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool to see that. Yeah, and it's really cool to see it because, as you said, like this is where it's very interesting because going at the, going at the show as a single person, I would not understand this. 
Whereas now, because let's quickly recap here. Cody, you've been married for what now? About five years? Yeah, five coming up on six. Five, six years. And I just got married a month or so ago. Yep. A month, about a month and a half ago. <laughs> so so it's, uh, we have a little bit experience. Different have, experience between it all to see these things. And we're at different stages of seeing this. So as coming from a newly married man here, seeing some of it, I'm just like, I'm beginning to get it. I see what it means to like, as they said, cleave unto each other and seeing the relationship grow as those two. Whereas now you've been married for five years, you see the traits of like, no, you begin sharing some of those traits. And for me, I'm starting to start sharing those traits with my wife. Like, it's very cool to see it. And that's what makes this show, especially with Durin and Deza's relationship, so much more authentic. Yeah, it does. They have, honestly, I love their relationship. I think the two of them make such a great couple and everything with, they're real. They're authentic, like you say. I mm-hmm. uh, And I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the time that you they're on screen together. They have great chemistry. They do yes. it. Everything is just amazing with the two of them. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So then they seal up the hole and drop the leaf down. And, and we get the Balrog. Which looks amazing. Like, honestly, this is my personal opinion on all this. They could have downgraded some of the special effects throughout the series. Yes. To increase the quality of the rest of the show. I agree. Because, again, the visuals, like the special effects are absolutely stunning and we see it beautifully with the Balrog. Like the Balrog looks good. I mean, I have it pulled up right now, just freeze framed of it roaring. You can see the fire through its horns coming out. That looks so cool. It's the shadow and fire. It's every, I mean, it looks very similar to the, because it's supposed to be the same one, but the similar to the one from the original Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. which that one did a great job of the CGI on it. And it just, I don't, as oh, much yeah. as I, I think a lot of the special effects that they've used, they could have downgraded. I appreciate this one. Exactly. And that's my taking on it. It's like, you know what? Honestly, the whole tree that we get in episode one, we could downgrade that one a little bit. We could downgrade some of the other special effects. And for me, I'm just like, I think we see where a majority of their budget went to. (laughs) Yeah. Which, I was like, don't get me wrong, I really much appreciate and love the Balrog. The Balrog looks stunning. Yeah. Worth a billion dollars? Like, billion dollars just for that? No. I don't think so. I would pay $50 to have a picture of that. Yeah. Just a picture. Like, not not in motion. 200 for it to be animated. Yeah. Maybe a thousand. (laughs) Actually, I would give it a good couple thousand. Yeah. For it to be, to get it to the point that it currently is. No, it definitely is amazing. And it is worth the money to put in to do that. I am. But the yeah. show needs to like help amp it. Like we need to have that beautiful build to where it goes. Oh, it's the bell rock. Yep, and that is where the episode is ending for me. Yep, same here. That's the last note I had. I think there might have been something else at the very. Oh, end, there is, and it's absolutely horrible, and I hate it. Oh yeah, isn't it the ship where they're sailing off? No. 
Nope. Mm. It's the cheesy, crappy way they put up Southland and change it to Mordor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That, it was so dumb. It was so I, cheesy. We we know what it's going to be. In fact, it would have been better if just Al Adar was like, no, we call this Mordor. And that would have been better. It, it would have been better. It still would have been cheesy, and it's what we expected. But that was so much better than doing it this way. Yeah. And I they haven't even, I don't know, have they even really used that when they transitioned to a new place of using the title like that? I don't think so. I think they're just doing it to be extra. They are. And because they're being extra with it, it just takes away from it. Mm-hmm. This I, is where, I was going to say, this is where there is an art principle of more is less. Like, yes, honestly, and less is more. Yeah, and less is more. Because this is where very much, like, this would have been a better tell moment than a show moment. Yeah. Because this is where, like, okay, what's the name? What, what name are we coming up with? Like, that would have been then him going, we're going to call this land after Morgoth. And me shall be Mordor. Like, it yeah. should have been something like that. Like, yeah. instead of, we're, we're going to call just... this, and then everybody's chanting, ah, duh, ah, uh, duh, Our... Southlands, Mordor. Like, how did you come what? up with that? Like, how? How? Show me your line of thinking. Show me your thinking process. They didn't have a thinking process. That's why they did it that way. This show doesn't have a thinking process. It anyway. really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I'm ripping on it, as a whole, I am enjoying the show. But that thing is so stupid. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, it's like again, as I said, like right now, I'm, I feel like my rating still currently is sitting at like a 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, I'm I'm probably a little bit higher. Uh, maybe like a 2.8, maybe a 3 on the, like the best episodes are a 3. Mm -hmm. But the worst episodes are like a 1.5. Exactly. Because for me, this, for me, I'm just saying like overall. Reason why it's, I don't think I'm going to be budging it any higher than that 2.5. If anything, it might actually go lower at this point, is because of Gladriel. The fact they made her the head show, like she made yeah. it all about Gladriel. Because of that, Glad this is where it's. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Trying to think of the phrase here. So when it comes even to music, when you're looking at a band. When it comes to specific songs or specific band performance, you have your star, your main performer. Like back in the day, Lincoln Park, Chester is the center of attention. So what you do is everything to complement the main, your star. Yeah. Whether that be Chester or Shinoda or whoever, you do everything you can with the music coming from the audio engineering side of it, from a live live engineer is you mix, you master, you bring the focus onto what the star is in some bands. It's actually the keyboard and some bands. It's the drum. Some it's the guitar. Yeah. Like I'm going to say kiss in my mind's eye it is uh, Gene Simmons. And I cannot remember the singer. Those are your two main focuses. Because that bass is slapping in Kiss. It is. So that is where you put your attention and you have everything else complemented. 
Now switching back over to Rings of Power, there is nothing that has been made to compliment Galadriel. Everything has been, she is very much above and beyond everything that there is no character development. She's perfect as is. And now we're starting to see, okay, she's got two BB3 character flaws. Yeah. That's not enough. We need, like, if you compare, again, sorry, I'm using other analogies too. If you look at Spider-Man and Superman, the two kind of have similar-esque overpowered powers. Mm -hmm. But yet, Every Marvel fan loves Spider-Man. Not every DC fan loves Superman. They tolerate him. But why is Spider-Man so much more beloved? I don't know. Why? The dude's got problems. (laughs) The dude keeps his identity a secret. Again, same thing as Superman. But because of it, he struggles with a job. He struggles with day-to-day life. Yeah. He struggles to make ends meet. Which makes him relatable. You gotta have, like, if they're gonna have superpowers, you gotta have them have real world crappy problems. Which we do not see that with Galadriel. Instead, we see the super powerful warrior who is going through soloing trolls, doing everything on her own, where in every respect we could just toss her into Mordor and just say, you know what, have fun. Yeah. Like, there is nothing that makes me relate to Galadriel. Whereas we have then Elrond on the other side of it, who is super relatable, even though he's an elf, because we can all relate to having a best friend. Yeah, that's true. We don't have anything like that with Galadriel. She is a lone wolf trying to take on the entire world. Who, and in every respect, seems like she's succeeding and she is complaining that she doesn't have friends because she is such a lone wolf. Whereas, even if you look back, because uh, <laughs> some of the reviews I've seen from last episode with Galadriel doing the freaking upside down stupidness. Yes. People are like, well, Legolas did some of the crazy stupid things. I was like... Well, yeah, but he was still part of a team. Like, there's that aspect of it. Because the one scene they brought up is in Return of the King, where Aragorn goes, Legolas! And is talking about the Elephant. Yes. How that man is able to solo an Elephant. Yeah. I was like, the way they did it did not look stupid. Is it made sense in the movements that he did. Jumped onto the trunk, made his way up. Now, would arrows actually support his weight? No, but you know what? That's where we can give a little bit of leeway. Yeah. Like, even when we look at Erendir's fight, the elven acrobatics, like, leading up to him getting decked in the face. Okay, yeah, it was extra, but you know what? It it worked. It wasn't weird, like, Gladwell going upside down and chopping off an orc's head. (laughs) Yeah. Everything was, it was believable. It was believable, and they just made Galadriel so unbelievable, so unrelated, that nobody likes her. Yeah. Like, that is the main problem. And so to have that as the star of your show, that's gonna, that's, that's what's hurting it. It is. It really is. Yeah. That's all my opinions on the matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm... I think that's everything I really have for the episode as well. All right. So looks like we will put a bookmark here and we'll shelve this for next week's discussion as we finish up season one of the Rings of Power because next week is the season finale. 
And then we got to come up with something that we're going to do for the following episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll find something. We'll like, figure it, something out. We'll figure something out. Not, I guess not hard. But thank you all for being here. We are just happy to be able to share our ideas and thoughts with everyone. And... Mm-hmm. All right. So with that, we'll catch you guys next time.